This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 85. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Liam Dempsey. And I'm Tara Clays. Today we're joined by Tiffany Bridge. Tiffany has been building websites for 20 years and building them with WordPress for 14. She now works at Automatic and helps empower people who do interesting things to get the most out of WordPress. Welcome, Tiffany. Hi, y'all. How you doing? Oh, very well, thank Good. you. Very well. Uh, pleasure to meet you out here in our little hallway, Tiffany. Can you tell us more about yourself, please? Sure. Um, so I am working currently at Automatic. Um, but over the course of my career, I have been um, an office assistant, um, a technical recruiter, a stand-up comedian, um, uh, and I've been in-house and I've been freelance. And so I all kind of all of that kind of added up to uh, to where I am now. And now I uh, I live and work in Washington D.C. and I live um, in up in Northeast D.C. with my husband and my son and my very large cat. Do you tell funny stories about your very large cat? That sounds. I mean, like a, he's a he's a pretty he's a pretty impressive beast. Actually, no. The the one big story that I always tell about him is that like he's so large that when my son was in that like full body tackle the cat four times a day phase, he was just completely unbothered by it because he and my son weighed about the same at the time. <laughs> so he would just sit there and take it and kind of look at me like do you want to do something about this? Cause I'm not giving up my seat on the couch. And so I'm going to need you to peel him off of me. <laughs> so no, he's just very, very chill and has learned to love children. So that's great. How did you get started with tech and websites and, uh, and did you go to school for it? What, um, no, my degree is in political science with an auxiliary in Christian ministry. So like all I learned in college was to be super fun at parties. Um, no, I got into tech because when I was a kid, I used to watch like Star Trek reruns with my parents, right? right? And I, that set the expectation to, for me of how computers should work. Um, I was always very miffed that I couldn't just ask my computer a question and it would have an answer. And so um, like, you know, what is this like Encarta CD nonsense that I have to use with the computer, right? So um, when the internet started to become a thing, I was like, okay, look, this is it. Like, this is, this is the thing that is finally going to get me the computer that I have always wanted. So um, in college, I started teaching myself HTML, like, on GeoCities. Like, back when GeoCities URLs were still based on, like, physical addresses, right? Like, if you were in college, you had an address on the quad. Um, so I was, like, teaching myself from, like, WebMonkey tutorials on hotwired.com back before that was like a hotel site. And um, so taught myself HTML in college. And then after I got out of school, I wasn't, I wasn't really ready to be hired in tech right away. So I tried to stay like tech adjacent as long as I could. Right. I worked for um, a startup in the first dot-com boom, like the one, like, you know, 1999, 2000, 2001 era. Um, and then kind of bounced around a little bit until um, I ended up until I ended up moving to DC and then I was like an office assistant but I built rebuilt the organization's website because what are they were gonna what are they gonna do they weren't they didn't have any money to hire anybody else so I did it myself and then I worked at a 
like a software startup and basically just sort of stayed tech adjacent until I could finally get a job where I was paid to build websites. Like up until that point, I had been doing it sort of on the side or for personal. Um, but it wasn't until actually about 2007 that I actually got a job where my job was to do the website. And to do that job when you've been working for yourself and you taught yourself, where did your, like, I guess your portfolio, resume, confidence, background to take a job building websites that people pay you for in a job? Can you talk about that a little bit? What that first job was like? Were you learning sure, that I mean, job? Well, I was learning quite a bit, but what I discovered was like, I had been building, like, so it was 2007 I was doing that. I had been building like just personal web blogs and stuff for several years up to that point. I had started with Blogger and then I moved to Movable Type and then I moved to WordPress. And so I had developed like back before you could just press a button and get WordPress on your host. Like you had to download it and install it and upload it and change the, the permissions and everything all, all yourself. I had learned a lot of skills um, and could just, and could build a website from scratch. And so when I, when it came time for me to do that, um, so I had been working as a tech recruiter and my practice was closing down. The, the, the larger sort of global company I was with was trying to get out of the business that I was in. And um, one of my former colleagues called me up and she's like, look, I know the company's kind of shutting you down, but I've got this job that I've been trying to fill for four months and I just can't find anybody. Do you have anybody left who needs something? And I was like, well, actually, I could do this job. And she's like, oh, oh, we're talking about you because I'm interested to hear that. And then, so she was able to help me get the interview. And, um, you know, I did, I had a couple of like, there was some like, there was like a coding test and um, a couple of, you know, some tech questions and things like that. And they were like, okay, well, I guess you can do this. And by then, like their website was all like in a content management system, right? And the content management is just, it's content management. You just have to learn the system. You learn the software and you know what you're doing. Um, so I had enough HTML and CSS, more than enough, frankly, to work on that website. And then um, while I was there, we ended up moving that website into Drupal. And so like I, I was doing a lot of learning on the job, but I think that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of how it is on the internet, right? Like sure. everything we do changes all the time. Yeah. So um, there's never a point where you have like learned what you needed to do. Like you, there's never a point where you know enough there's always a point, there's always like learning the next thing. And so I think that's been um, kind of the theme of, of my trajectory. Yeah. How about working? I guess you were working with a team then too. It was a team of two. It was okay. me and my boss. Um, was it wasn't <laughs> much of a team. <laughs> I mean, when we migrated to... That's a tennis uh, team. There's doubles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it was doubles. Exactly. And, uh, and my boss had started out as like a graphic designer and had kind of moved into the web. And so there was a lot that he was still learning. Um, <clears throat> so when we finally moved the, the company website into Drupal, like we actually had hired a firm to manage the actual development of the Drupal site because that was and frankly still is kind of beyond me. Um, but I was kind of handling it internally from like the content strategy side and and things like that. Like for a while, I kind of was doing more content strategy than actual website builds. So um, that was kind of, that was kind of where I learned that that was really a strat that was a specialty one could have. So that was cool. I did that for a while. Yeah. It's interesting the way the different web specialties evolve over time and yeah, it really is. And like everything changes and Oh, that's a job. Okay. Now it's not a job because yeah. that technology is dead. <laughs> 
Well, it was funny because when I was tech recruiter, I was a tech recruiter for about two years and I kind of watched information architecture become a specialty. Like sudden, like nobody was asking for it and then suddenly everyone was asking for it. And there were only like a few people doing it. And so a lot of people had to kind of get on that quickly. So I, that's one of my favorite things is actually like watching things that didn't used to be jobs become jobs. It gives me, it gives me hope for us all, I think. Like, oh, that thing that you like to do, it's not a job. Well, it might be. Give it a couple years. <laughs> so, but it certainly requires an embrace of don't hang on to your skill set too tightly because it may not be valuable in two years. Right, absolutely. Adjusted to that pretty well. I mean, because I'm self-taught, I'm always kind of I kind of have this constant like sense of imposter syndrome that like leads me to feel like I've always got to be learning the next thing. Because like on some level, I'm trying to like, can make, like, maybe if I learn how to do this, I won't feel like an imposter anymore. And that's a fool's game. And like intellectually, I know that. But like on some basis, I'm like, well, if I just learned how to do this, I would feel like I really know what I'm doing. And, um, and then and, and what I've learned from learning like thing after thing after thing is that, that it never stops. Like it never stops. And so you have to just sort of embrace the fact that there's always going to be something new like I being really, really competent in HTML4 is nice, but, um, you know, we're a little bit past that now. And, um, so, (laughs) excuse me. Um, so they, uh, yeah, yeah. Like you just can't, you have to just accept and embrace the change I think is, is, I mean, especially in our field, but I think in all fields, but I think like the inner, like the internet entire, like global internet of, of work, is that's especially true there. Like you can't, you don't get to expect that you're going to get to program in Fortran forever. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and almost in the sense it's, you know, the best mindset is the mindset that embraces change. And, and we certainly hear a lot of, I started in design and now I develop, or I started in content and now I design, or I started as a developer and I realized I wanted to do this other thing in technology. And, just having the ability to to do that because if you're willing to put in the time and energy, everything's so new that you know nobody's written or gotten their doctorate on you know PHP. At least I don't think they have. Maybe they have. I don't know. I mean, I'm uh, sure there's somebody, but <laughs> right, somebody probably has. Right, it's the internet, so somebody has. But the idea that things change all the time, and, and you can, if you're willing to embrace that and work hard, you can make that happen. And yeah, and to know, also like see the, the ways that your skills kind of connect to other skills. Like it, it requires some imagination too. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with that. And I love that idea of trying to map skill sets from job A to requirements of job B, because a lot of times they are the same, right? If you can manage a project and get your work done and communicate, there's not too many jobs if you're willing to learn the technology or the flow or the system that you can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, let me, let me, let me take a left turn here, or maybe it's more of a gentle left turn than a hard left and ask you about success. And I wanted to ask you about what is your definition of success, whether it's personal, professional, or maybe a mix of both, Tiffany? I mean, I think success is so hard because I mean, success is like, it's, it's almost one of those things like we're always chasing and do we ever feel like it's kind of that same like imposter syndrome thing. Like if I just do this, like I will be successful um, and I can stop feeling like I need to chase it. But I feel like for me, I've really had to define success as, um, you know, happy to get to work in the morning and happy to go home at night. You know, I want, uh, I want a job that I like and that is um, 
engaging and fulfilling and then that I can leave at the end of the day because it supports my life that is also engaging and fulfilling. And, um, and I feel like, I feel like I have achieved it and then lost it and then achieved it again at various points in my career. Yeah. The internet is not something you can really turn off at night and come back to in the morning and expect that nothing's broken or changed. (laughs) Right. So that is, uh, that's a, an awesome goal and definition depending on what your role is in your job with website development. Um, may not be totally realistic unless you have somebody to back you up. Well, I mean, I think it's less about like, it's less about like the being able to turn it off and more that like both spheres of your life, like your work and your life are supporting and enhancing each other. Um, I mean, I really, I'm working from home right now. um, And like, this is the first time I've worked from home full time. Like I was freelancing for a while, but this is the first time I'm working from home full time with automatic and I'm really finding that I'm having to put like, I'm having to develop boundaries around my home life in a way that I didn't have to do before. And I'm still learning to do that. But I feel like the work is engaging enough and the, the company is supportive enough that I will get there and I will figure it out. I just, you know, like that's just the learning process. And I think it's an adjustment because I haven't been at Automatic all that long. I wanted to ask you about your definition, uh, the latter part, where you said happy to go home. Mm-hmm. And I interpreted that as the not work side of life is pretty important to you and sure. your success. And talk about that, uh, prioritizing non-work. You mentioned earlier that you're a, you've got a husband, you've got a child, uh, you know, you, you have a house in D.C., so clearly there are some bills, whether that's rent or mortgage or what have you. Uh, how, do, how do you balance that all? How do you, how do you prioritize not work in a way that makes you not so anxious to get back to work? Kind of I mean, I'm still learning to do that. That's hard. <laughs> um, I think part of it is that um, I think, first of all, having a little kid will sort of force you into it because, you know, I come home or he comes home from school and we have aftercare with him. So he comes home around like the end of a work day, right? So about five o'clock and then it's, you know, you've got to get dinner on the table and you've got to like hang out with your child and he's not super great at um, respecting workspace, which on one hand, I kind of want to teach him to do. And on the other hand, I feel like it kind of keeps me honest that he doesn't, um, because like if I'm trying to steal another hour at my desk, he's like, mom, come play Mario Kart with me. Mom, come play with me. Mom, I want to like do PJ masks. Come play with me. Um, and I'm, I'm just not very good at playing. Like I'm not very much fun <laughs> for a little kid, but um, I think that really helps me remember like, okay, you actually don't like nobody at work is expecting you to be in Slack right now. You could actually walk away from your desk. It would be okay. And my boss has said to me like more than once, like, you should really turn off all your alerts on your phone. Like nothing we're doing is that important here. Like nothing we're doing is so important that I can't wait till tomorrow. It's okay. Um, That's a good boss. He is actually, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying working with him. So uh, that's, uh, that's nice. And it's, and I think that's like a sort of a cultural position at automatic as well Is that like, you should do your work and it can, you can do it at any time of day, but that doesn't mean you should be doing it at every time of day. Yeah. Um, so um and then automatic is the kind of place that people work specifically because they want to like live a full and, and enriching life when they aren't working. So, mm-hmm. because you can work from anywhere, you can live anywhere. 
Um, so um, we have a lot of people who are, you know, interested in doing a lot of travel and things like that. And so they work at Automatic because Automatic supports that lifestyle. So, um, so I feel like, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not on the road. I'm not doing any of those things. I can at least like go hang out with my kid and talk to him over dinner without thinking about work for a couple of hours. And then he goes to bed. And if there's really something I have to do, I can do it. But, um, I feel like just the the circumstances of my life are are conspiring to keep me honest on that, which Mm, is valuable. That's good. The circumstances of my life. Um, inspiring <laughs> to keep me honest. That's cool. Uh, Children have you... a way of doing that. Sorry, Tara. Yeah, they do. For sure. Yeah, and you you can't get that time back either. So it's you know that's a cliche now, I guess. But it's, it's yeah, it's. I mean, it is true. Like parenting is kind of this constant whiplash between. Oh my God! I hope you're through this phase soon. And oh my God! Stop. Be my baby a little bit longer. Yeah, right. So. Sure. Um. And I feel that like, I'll feel each of those things like 10 times a day. Yeah. So um, I think, so that's one of the things that I value about where I am in my career right now is that I don't have a commute. So I'm not having to like, like a lot of parents, like of his friends are, you know, frantically rushing home from work and they get there like right at the last possible minute to pick their child up from aftercare and they never feel like they have enough time. And I'm like, that's like two hours of my day that I get back that I don't have to spend like on the Metro or in a car. And so I almost feel like an obligation to use those hours well and to, to not feel harried and not feel like my family life conflicts with my work life. And I think that's, that's a pressure. I think that I don't think it's that only women feel it, but I feel like women feel it very acutely because I feel like, you know, we're, and I, I read it. I didn't, I can't count. I can't take credit for phrasing it like this, but it stuck with me is that like women are expected so often to work like they don't have a family and then manage their families like they don't have a job. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's something that is sort of socially put on women, I think harder than it's put on men. And so I'd agree. I, I feel like I, I have this you know, position of an incredible privilege to work for the company that I do. And that is as sort of laissez-faire about interfering with your life as, as they can be. And so I feel like I almost have like a duty to not be stressed out about it. Yeah. And yet you also can be available and sort of be the, not stress out. Also, if you, um, if you need to work at night, you're at home and you need to get work done after you put your kid to bed, you know, yeah. you do what you like it's fine. If, it's fine. You had to go pick your son up from school because he was sick. Then you make up that time later. You have that flexibility. To yeah, I mean, I went and picked him up yesterday because he was sick. I came home. I put him on the couch. And any pediatrician will tell you that the best way to keep a small child on the couch under a blanket resting is to turn on the television. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. <laughs> and, you know, I set him up with a movie and some fruit and, uh, you know, a bottle of water. And then I went back to my desk and I worked. And I was then, I was on a call with my team yesterday afternoon. We have a weekly chat on Wednesday afternoons. And he came over and was like, standing in front of my webcam and everybody's like, Oh, Hey, look, we see him and like waving. And, you know, because we all work from home and there's a lot of parents on my team. This is all very, this is all very common. Like it's not a problem. I never feel like I have to hide my child from my coworkers. I never feel like it's an imposition if he interrupts me during a meeting because like most of us are parents. We'll all deal with it. It's not a big deal. I think it's valued too. You know, that's mm-hmm. a, a corporate culture that uh, that a lot of companies these days are trying to embrace is to value that because when you have employees who are who feel that 
that um, relief from stress and that flexibility, they're going to do a better job. They're going to be more motivated. Right. I think that's and they're going to want to stay. Right. Because, you know, I've been there like three months and I already am like, I could never, I mean, how could I ever go back yeah. to an office environment after this? Because this is so great. Like this is, you know, I, I'm able to, like my ability to carve out time for myself is limited only by my willingness to do, to do it. So. Yeah. What, what prompted you to, um, to seek out a job with automatic and what do you do for them? Mm-hmm. I guess also. So I'll yeah, I'll start there. Um, so I work at automatic on the special projects team, um, which is kind of a cool and mysterious way of saying we're kind of, um, we're almost like a little internal web agency within Automatic. And what we do is we provide consulting and support to organizations that, um, and individuals, excuse me, who they just need a little help getting the most out of WordPress. Um, we're, we do a lot of like high profile kind of site builds and things like that. Um, where, it would just be beneficial where, where we think it would be beneficial to the platform as well. Like it would, if the project would reflect well on the platform, um, we get some, we'll get sent in to make sure that the project happens, you know, timely, well, that sort of thing. So that's the kind of work we do. Um, and so I decided to apply for a job at automatic because Freelancing wasn't really going all that well for me. What I discovered while I was freelancing was that I really hate biz dev and um, I can't do like, I can't do all of the things involved in running a business while also like essentially being that business's product. Um, I just can't do that. So I, um, I had been stalking the automatic careers page for a while, like since before I had been freelancing. And for a long time, the only jobs I saw that I was qualified for was happiness engineer. And which is support, right? Support for WordPress.com. And I don't feel like I'm really cut out for tech support. It's just not um, like I find that level of interaction very stressful, kind of an introvert. So um, eventually a position called technical account engineer was posted and it was posted actually for WordPress VIP, which is like the hosting for like the big enterprise WordPress, like the New York Times WordPress or Facebook's WordPress or whatever. And so I applied for that because it was basically an account manager slash project manager who's good at talking to developers. I'm good at all of those things. Um, and I didn't hear from them for a little while. And then I did hear back from them and they were like, okay, so that position is open, but we also have this other one on special projects. And we think that might even be better. And so I you know, talked to them about it and I was like, wow, this actually sounds exactly like what, I'm, what I got into freelancing to do, which was help people have really great experiences on the web um, and and have people who might help people who might not otherwise know how to get a great website to help their business or their project. Um, only I get to do it, you know, for automatic at like a full-time salary and benefits. And I was like, okay, sold. So what do I have to do? And, you know, I went through the whole process with them and had a trial project with them. And then, um, and then that all worked out because I've been there ever since. I'm curious about the special projects and, and the example that you mentioned. Um, how does that talk about that process? So do they come to you and say, Hey, we want to switch to WordPress and we need help. Or is there some kind of like radar thing you have going on and you notice that somebody's doing something and, and you approach them? What's that? I mean, are you a client? Are they a client of yours? Um, how does that work? It's well, it, it's more like, it's kind of all of the above, right? Like they, 
sometimes it's that we notice that there's a problem and we introduce ourselves and ask. Like it kind of reaches, a, sometimes it's um, referrals internally from our colleagues at Automatic. Um, they come to us a lot of different ways. Selling WordPress services is not really, like selling that kind of WordPress agency services is not really our business model. Um, there are plenty of, there are plenty of other agencies who do, who do do that. Right. Yeah, um, it's more like, do we provide um, a unique set of, like, is this, pro- is this project, first of all, beneficial to WordPress as a platform? Like, will it reflect well and encourage other people to join WordPress, to, to be on WordPress? Um, and also, like, do we provide a level of expertise that isn't generally available that could help? So, um, so yeah. interesting. Yeah, I was going to. I was wondering about that because there are plenty of agencies, large, well-known agencies, that would do that type of thing as well. You know, right. Great. And we and we frequently like refer to other, you know, refer to agencies when it's not a good fit and things like that. So we're not out there trying to compete with them. Right. Um, we res- really respect their place in the ecosystem. Really value their place in the ecosystem. It's more like when it would just when it would just be when there's something unique that we can do that would help. Or the one we think our participation will benefit the will benefit the platform as a whole. Yeah. And coming from a, a WordPress advice conversation, I want to switch over to advice more generally, and as it relates sure. to life, I suppose. And what is Tiffany? What's the single most valuable piece of advice that you've ever received and implemented in your life? Um, can, I think um, a friend, uh, a book. Sounds like you already have something, so I'll stop. Sure, I do. I think the the thing that I'm really, the thing that I, something that's really stuck with me for a lot of years, and this is from back in my days as a recruiter, is that, you know, know, Tiffany, you are the CEO of your own career. Nobody is going to build a career for you. It's not anyone's job to care about the direction of your career, and it's not going to affect anyone as much as it affects you. And so you really have to see yourself as as a CEO. and, and take charge of it. Um, and I feel like in the times when I have lost sight of that, um, my career has sort of stagnated. And in the times when I have kept that advice forefront, my career has advanced. So I think it's probably the most valuable thing anyone's ever said to me. Yeah, I love that. I say that all the time is regardless who pays for you, pays you, you always work for yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're working for yourself, then you will very much be the CEO of your career. And yeah, I like that way of putting it too. That's good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that in my back pocket. Um, I do a fair amount of, of volunteer work with people in transition, and a mindset of I've always working for oneself makes preparing for transition and dealing with transition and even spotting it on the horizon that much easier, right? Because if if we see the seas are stormy ahead and we're the CEO of our own career. We can say, this is a boat that, while the ride is nice now, I'm going to pull this boat into port and get on a different boat so that I don't get mm-hmm. stuck in that storm. I like that. You're the CEO of your own career. Yeah, that is excellent. Thank you for sharing that with us. I want to ask you, um, we have a bit of time here, so I want to ask you about challenges. And you've covered a lot of things in, in our conversation here, everything from childcare to commuting to new job to the, and the like. So tell us a little bit about what's been your biggest challenge to date and how have you overcome it? Or if it's ongoing, how are you trying to overcome it? I mean, aside from kind of the obvious and that, you know, being 
a parent is prevents, you know, presents a big challenge in pretty much every area of your life because suddenly you have, you have like that one thing that can't ever be deprioritized. Um, aside from that, which is kind of obvious, I feel like I, I really encountered a big challenge, um, a couple of years ago, my last full-time job it was with a government contractor, um, who has since been acquired by much, by a much larger government contractor. Um, and I was working, it was my first time in the federal contracting space and pretty much from my, I took the job ultimately because I was, I was feeling stagnant at the job I was in. And I took the, I took this other job with the federal contractor because I needed a change and I didn't really stop to think about whether it was actually going to be a good fit for my life. I just decided to sort of jump and try to make it work. Um, and honestly, from the first, almost from the first day, it turned out to be just, it was a terrible move. Like it was a bad decision. And, um, I worked in an environment with, um, that was, there was a lot of like, you know, sort of gaslighting and undermining. And, um, I think I really, I was not my best there. And to a certain extent, like I say that in kind of two senses, one is it's hard to thrive when you're being fed poison every day. Um, it's, you know, it's hard to exist and thrive and grow when you are like literally walking around in a cloud of toxicity all the time. Mm. Um, on the other hand, I don't want to completely put it on my environment. I don't want to completely, you know, disclaim responsibility for it because I feel like there were many points along the way where I could have done better than I did in handling it. And, and it's funny, like I was eventually let go from that job and I kind of walked out of the building that last day with this like ridiculous grin on my face because... I had been trying to find a way out and like, I was so unhappy there that it was affecting my ability to, to interview, right? Like I'd go into interviews and I'd like think I was doing okay and realize retrospectively that I bombed them. Um, and so I, I got out of there and was like, it was this huge weight, right? Like I just, I'm not being poisoned anymore. And that was when I decided to freelance because I was looking at jobs and I, I'd like nothing sounded good. Like nothing sounded like something I wanted to do. Nothing sounded like people I wanted to be with. And, and I knew that I couldn't go back right away. And I'm fortunate that my husband, who owns his own company, um, does well enough that I was able to kind of step back and say, you know, I'm going to try to freelance for a while and see how that goes. And it went pretty well for a while. And then it just became clear that as a long-term strategy, that's not for me. Um, and so, but then I had to kind of deal with like the emotional challenge of, well, you tried this and it failed too. And like, there was just like a lot of like, kind of it's just feeling bad about um about my own abilities and my own um uh, my own skills and my own like commitment to work like it was just very there was just a lot of like crap I had to dig through and um and so I feel like but I needed those I needed those couple of years like not in a full-time job to kind of recover from like, and get some perspective on what had happened in the last few years of my career. Like it had just, it hadn't gone well. And some parts of that were on me and some parts of it were absolutely not on me. And it was really important for me to get some clarity around that. I think, um, you know, women in particular, like we kind of get told a lot of the times like, well, you should lean in, be aggressive, but oh, not like that. Now you're being abrasive. And um, that was, that's always been a big challenge for me in my career because I'm kind of personality plus. And I don't, as people like to say, I don't suffer fools gladly. Um, and so it can be very challenging for me to thread the needle between, yes, I need to dial that back or B, this criticism is very gendered and not really fair to me. And also C, well, so what if it is gendered? 
you still have to work with these people and what are you going to do about it? Um, so uh, I feel like that those couple of years were really, um, were an intense privilege that not everyone has. Um, and, uh, and I feel like, but I feel like that's, there's a lot of like clouds that kind of cleared in the last, in the last several months for that. So I feel like I'm pretty thank happy where I've ended up. Yeah. yeah thank you for, for walking through that. that. That sounds like that was not a fun place to be. And, and it was helpful. It wasn't. And I wasn't that. fun to live with for a good chunk of it. So, you know, I'm really glad it's over. <laughs> well, I get that, right? Yeah. We spend so much of our adult life at work where if it's not a productive, fruitful, enjoyable place, it's hard to be rainbows and sunshine when we're yeah. not there. Right. So, so thank you for that. I appreciate you sharing. We are effectively out of time here. Uh, and one thing we haven't done, uh, and I and I really wanted to, uh, is get into your stand-up routine (laughs) (laughs) and to totally put you on the spot. Do you have a work-friendly joke that you could share with us to wrap up the conversation? Oh my gosh. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because I I used to like, I would like mention it in front of people at the office and be like, Oh, say something funny. And I, I finally just had to say, look, I write my routines for comedy clubs. Yeah, <laughs> you're appropriate for comedy clubs. If you want to hear me be funny, come to a show. Um, but understand that you are walking into a comedy club, and I will say things there that I would never say in a professional setting. <laughs> um, and you know, and honestly, it was a long. I haven't done it in a while because comedy is kind of a it's a low ROI hobby. Yeah, because yeah. you have to spend a lot, like three hours a night, sitting at like open mics to get five minutes of time. And like, I am not in a place anymore where I can do that. So. Um, so I haven't done comedy in a while, though I still use those skills all the time, like all the time. Um, it was incredibly valuable. Like I'm now one of those weirdos who really likes public speaking. Yeah. Cause it just doesn't, doesn't, if you can stand up at the D cause I took a class at the DC improv and if you can stand on the DC improv stage with a spotlight directly in your eyes, so you can't see anything and make an audience laugh for 10 minutes, like you can do anything. That's so, great. so I recommend it as, um, as a skill to develop. Yeah, I have a friend who did that. And I've, I listen to the Moss podcast a lot and often think about doing storytelling. And sometimes the storytellers are actually comedians on the side or that type of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap there. Sort of funny, yeah. Well, I have a developer joke. Go ahead. Why did the developer quit his job? Why? Because he didn't get a raise. <laughs> get it? Array. Uh, <laughs> I mean that joke works on multiple levels. It's also kind of a commentary on the value of digital labor. Dora <laughs> Clays will be appearing where on Tuesday night? <laughs> Tiffany, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us here. It's been an absolute thank you. Pleasure. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Before we say goodbye to you, could you share with us where we can find you online, please? Sure. Um, my blog is at tiff.is. All right. Tiff.is. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank Bye you so now. much. Thank you. Bye-bye, Tiffany. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.